Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now... You know, the most interesting thing is, you know, that's um, a movie. And the fact is, we as Christians have more power than Thor had in that movie. And I don't, I'm not just saying that as to make you feel good, but literally, we as Christians can power up. And we have this power. The challenge is this power comes in the context, and that's the part that I hope we hear. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit over the past year. And a lot of times, particularly New Testament Christians, get stuck on a very small portion of how the Holy Spirit functions in the life of a believer. And for some of you are saying, my goodness, how much can we talk about the Holy Spirit? We can talk about the Holy Spirit forever. He is God. And the truth is, I believe a lot of times Christians have not been yielding to God to the degree that allows the Holy Spirit to have more access to your life. Now, we've been showing you throughout scriptures how the person who yielded to God had the ability to do things that gave God glory. That's what we talked about last time in the context of leadership. And, And everybody knows, even if you're not a Christian, that being a leader is hard, right? Like, you're going to get criticized, you're going to get ridiculed, people are going to talk about you. That seems unnatural. Why? Because we have an inversion to leadership because leadership ultimately represents God. 
And because of that, we sometimes are critical toward leaders, not because a leader is a bad person or a good person, it's just because we're not the leader. And we start saying how we would do stuff. Because ultimately, who had that same problem? Who said from the beginning, they thought they would be a better leader than God? See? That was his very thought. Man, if I were God, I want to be like God. And as a result, this same attitude has been passed on to humanity. And therefore, we have a problem with people in authority over us. We want to be free. We want to do things on our own. We want carte blanche power. However, we see once we're in Christ, we don't have complete freedom. We are surrendered to the will of God. And the reason why that's important, because God has a very specific assignment for you in your life today. God has prepared a path for your life. And when you yield to God, he'll take you on this path. But you need God's spirit in order to complete the path, the task, the path leads you on. And so it's hard. That's why we talk about uh, spiritual discipline so much. Because we need you here at this church. It's important that you're able to hear God for yourself. Because it may be that your mission is on your job. It may be your mission is on the way home when you stop at that gas station. It may be your mission is the, the lady at the daycare center. I, 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 don't, I, can, I can throw out a lot of different scenarios, but God has a, a task for your life. I think back to Billy Graham. And I, was, I remember reading, it was like one lady, one lady who basically in so many ways discipled him and led him into committing to Jesus Christ. Now he had his own struggles along the way, but there was one person who sowed into him. And who would have thought that lady would impact the world? Now, you here, you may be Billy Graham, I don't know, but, but Billy Graham may be out there for you outside. You may be the person who sows into somebody and ends up changing the course of millions and millions of lives. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you don't yield to the Spirit's directions, then you can't accomplish the task God has for you. So we say it's important for you. I don't, I don't want to be the Holy Spirit for you. A lot of people say, the, oh, I need to hear the, the pastor in order to what to do. You don't need to hear from me. I will get it wrong 99.9% .9 of the time. If you ask me a question, you know what I say? Hmm, I'll try to give you some perspective. Oh, well, let's see. Maybe. But I never say God says or I know. I never say that. He didn't lift his finger. That's why he wasn't invisible. That's the invisible finger. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, we watched a video about Thor and talking to Odin. And, and obviously we, we know there's our characters of ancient people and, and they call themselves God. But, you know, and I don't want to get too far in that. But at, le at least you get the point that, that Thor had power that he did not realize, that he didn't utilize. And as a result, he was getting beat up. And then once he realized that he, or once he realized how to access that power in this one by faith, he was able to overcome the, the goddess of death and gain a significant advantage in the fight. The same thing goes for you. How's your life going in God? How are you doing in expanding God's kingdom? 
Now, a lot of times I know this is the this is what I say. This is what makes me different than most other pastors because when I try to preach, my hope is to tell you the point of life is yielding to God's will, and that doesn't sound good all the time. I know I went to seminary. I know what I was taught to say. I was taught to be able to train you and teach you to how to have a better life, how to live your best life now. But I realized like something's just not right about that. Because if I'm here every day telling you, man, I can tell you to have the best relationship with your kids, with your husband, how to get the best spouse, how to get the best job, the best car, how to live a life that you'll be satisfied with. And then I, I look at the scripture and I say, well, Jesus said, lay down your life and come follow me. What did he mean by lay down your life? What, what does that mean? Pick up your cross and follow me. What, how can I pick up my cross and live my best life now. He who sacrifices life will get his life. He who loses his life will find his life. But he who finds his life will what? Lose his life. And so I just, I only have the scriptures for you all. I don't have anything else but the scriptures. And if you trust what the scriptures say, we'll be good. But what's the problem? The scripture says stuff I don't like. Am, am I alone? The scripture says that we all hate. There's stuff in the scripture that challenges my thoughts, my happiness, my joy, my peace. It's in there. And when I see it, I have to make a choice. When I see that scripture that says something I don't want to do, I don't want to think, I say, okay, either I do it my way or I do it God's way. And when we say we do it God's way, that's worship. And what we're saying is, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And we find those scriptures throughout the Bible. And when we see them, we, we say, okay, I don't like that. But God, I trust you. And what happens is our heart starts to change. And we become more dependent upon Jesus Christ for every single step. At the end of the day, we don't look so much like ourselves. We begin to look more like Jesus. Because he ultimately was the one who yielded completely to God. The one who had the Holy Spirit without measure. And for you, you got to know that God has changed you to look like Jesus. How many times you have frustrations with people in your life, relationships, bosses? Like, why do you think those same things keep happening over and over? Not because God's trying to change the situation. He might. He's trying to change you so that you can expand his kingdom. That's the Holy Spirit. Got a quote. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the greatest promise we have in the Bible. That God is always there, even to the end. Now, if you are my Facebook friend, you know I post all the time. <laughs> right? You're like, good heavens, what is going on with that man? Like, I, I mean, that's true, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag truth, right? Like, I'm a posting, I was going to say fool, but that's what Forrest Gump would say, but never, machine. I will post something whether I believe it, I'm shitting everything out. But sometimes I strategically put stuff out there. But the truth is, we are in the last days. I don't need to communicate to you what's happening right now in the world. We had a conversation in our leadership meeting about the coronavirus. And we said this, we have to start preparing for online church. Why? Because what happens when they close Osseo schools? And you're like, they won't close the schools. They shut down the entire schools in the country of Japan. The first a death is reported in Washington State. 
You say, okay, that's just one incident. Come on. Jesus said, what? All these things are happy? He said, what? Wars? And what? And, and, and right now, we know that Syria and who? Turkey are starting to fuss. They're fussing at each other. And Russia's about to come in there. We know Israel keeps getting rockets shot at them. Like wars and room, and then earthquakes. Have you seen how many earthquakes there have been recently? Earthquakes in divers. Divers places. That's different places. I can go on and on to tell you, you'll, be, you'll see signs, you'll have famine, you'll have pestilence. It says, these things are going to happen. He said, but the end is not yet. So this, this doesn't mean the end is happening tomorrow. It means we're closer to the end than ever before. And as a result, you need to prepare your heart. How are you with Jesus? How are you with the Lord? And if you're with him, amen. So we got out of Isaiah, you all. Oh. <laughs> so um, Isaiah is a harsh uh, chapter to, uh, well, book to preach out of. Why? Because Isaiah is just, it's just everywhere, right? And there's probably one book in the Bible that's harder than Isaiah, and that's Ezekiel. <laughs> but you see, we're, we're starting in 36, so I won't, I won't make you go through all kinds. There's some stuff in Ezekiel that I just, I'm just like, Lord, I have no idea. With the wheel and the wheel and the eyes on the wheels and the cherubim with the heads. I mean, you start seeing stuff, you're like, okay, this, I don't know how this is applicable today, right? But it all is. Because it's all speaking about today and yesterday at the same time. And so today we're in Ezekiel. Understand Ezekiel, he was actually sent in the first exile of Jerusalem. He was about, about 25 years old when he was captured. And he was part of the elite. And they took the elite out when, when, um, when Babylon came in first, the first wave and attacked um, Jerusalem. Ezekiel is one of the elite people who went out with them. So, so he now is writing, when he's in Babylon, this scripture. He's actually by the, the river and he's having all these visions he's seen. And so about 30 years old is when he's having these different visions. And, and some of them are so amazing, but some of them are so challenging and scary. But nevertheless, we, we, we read the, the quote earlier that God is with us. And, and right now, you have to understand that God is with Ezekiel. And why that's so amazing is because they had this mentality during that time that God is located where a specific geographical location is. And that was the ancient thinking regarding land. They thought that their God was tied to a specific geographical location. But in this vision, there was, there was this thing he saw. He saw the Spirit of God leaving the temple, going east, away from Israel. And what it was supposed to be signifying is that the Holy Spirit left the temple. Why? Because they were worshiping multiple gods at once. It's called syncretism. And, and when you get into syncretism, you think, I can worship God on Sunday morning but sunday evening i can worship another god and it's okay and then monday morning i worship another god but i'm still worshiping the one true god i just have other gods and and that really naturally is called adultery it's like you have one spouse but then you got a side chick is that what's called I don't know if I should even said that. I don't know. I don't, 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 don't get on me. I'm just saying, you, you got someone else. I'll just say that. You got maybe one or two others. And everybody knows that ain't right. That's, that's cheating. That's idolatry. Like when you're worshiping God plus, that's idolatry. 
And Israel was an idolatry and didn't realize that they were stuck because they couldn't discern if what was happening to them was because of their sin or God was testing them. And that's the problem when you fall into a sin cycle is that you're in this cycle of sin and you don't know is what happened to me God trying to develop me or is what happened to me consequences for my action or is what happened to me punishment for my action. Because all this is a part of the process. And so because they were confused and didn't just repent and go right back to God, they were afraid to stop worshiping those other gods because they didn't lose the blessings from those other religions. They didn't trust God. And so they kept on worshiping those other gods and thinking, well, God will forgive us because all we got to do is make a sacrifice and we're right. And eventually God got tired of that and they went into exile. And now here, five years into the exile, Ezekiel is starting to write and he goes here and says, therefore, house of Israel. And we said earlier, uh, Israel is also a, a signifies that these are the people, the Jewish people who had faith in God. Now, when, when he's, in a sense, God or the, the prophet is talking to a Jewish person who does not have faith, he calls them Jacob. But here they're Israel. And it says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord, I don't do this for your sake. Do what? God's going to bring them out. He's going to save them. He's going to deliver them. Now, one thing has been consistent as we've gone through Isaiah is this. When God does something for Israel, it's because he's trying to get glory. That's happened almost every single sermon we've talked about. Every single time we've went to Isaiah, it's God's going to move for his glory. God's going to move for his glory. And you see eventually this was called a literary connective, a, a repetition. You see continuity. That God's trying to show you that he does stuff for us a lot of times for his own namesake. Does he love you? Yes. But if you're carrying the banner of God, God can't have you looking crazy because it makes him look crazy. I don't know about you, but your parents may have been the type of people who said, now don't you go out there and make my name look crazy. You don't embarrass the family name. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let me not do that. God is serious about his name because his name is what is used in order to bring people to himself. He's like, man, God, that's a little proud, Lord. He, he's the one who deserves all the glory. He's the reason for glory. Glory for him is as tangible Let's jump in. It says, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for what? My holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. Now, this is what he says. And I will sanctify my great name. I'll, I'll separate my name. My name will be distinct from all other gods in the world, which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned in their midst. And the nation shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. And so understand that the, the nation of Israel is going to be, in a sense, exiled, literally exiled. And people are going to look at Israel like, man, what happened? We talked about this before. What happened? Well, they didn't stay faithful to their God, and they were chastised. And people are saying, well, wow, that's crazy. Their God chastised them because they weren't faithful? Yes, because God values this word right here, holy. 
God is holy. He's different. He's not like anything else. And because he's different, we have to be different so that people know he's not common. It's like uh, this ring right here on my finger. This ring is holy. Now it's a silicon, right? You say, yes, they can get that for six bucks. But its value isn't, its value isn't necessarily right because it's not gold or gold. Its value is what it represents. What does God represent to you? It says, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Now, this is what you got to get. This is, why, this is awesome. So Israel is spread throughout all the Middle East. It happened around what year? What year? Like, say, 700 years before Christ. And then eventually, uh, 70 AD, it happened again. And, and, and they were spread out through all the world. And what happened in 1947? Anybody? In 1947, this happened. This literally happened. Now, what was awesome is because before 1947, uh, um, oh, uh, John Hagee's father was a commentator. And, and when he was commentating about scriptures like this, he was the only one who was saying, I know Israel was not a nation, but it will be, literally. But all the other commentators were saying this. Well, well, it doesn't, it's not literal, it's, it's, it's just symbolic. Israel won't be a nation again, literally, but symbolically Israel will be a nation. And because these scholars didn't trust God's word, they had to throw away all those commentaries because they were wrong. And one was right. Because they trusted God's word. Israel became a nation again. God pulled them from all over the planet. And actually, it's still happening today. It says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your what? Idols. God will cleanse the people himself. It says, I will give you, and this is the main part, a new what? A new heart. And put a new spirit within you. And I will take your heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, this is the part most Christians get. Now, the next part is what they usually don't. So here, we know this part is called being what? Born or what? Again. When you are saved, God changes your heart. And I try to classify the term heart simply as will. I'm simplifying something complex in a way, hopefully, that our vernacular helps us understand. Your will is your heart. Now, Hebrew thought was a lot different. Your mind, your, all that was in one thing, your heart. But I'm trying to say for you, for you today, so you understand what I'm talking about, heart, your will. God changes your will and gives you a new will. Changes it. And so now you have a new will. But that new will still was not strong enough to fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life. And what do you need? Listen to this. I will put my spirit in you. Now you'll be God's temple. And God lives in you. And because God lives in you, what? It will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. I'm going to get practical for a second. We live in a day where people don't have to be married to have kids. You don't have to be married to live with somebody, 
Today it's socially what? Acceptable. You don't, you, if, you, if you're afraid to say it out loud, just whisper it. Because you don't want to judge anybody. I know. But God's standards have never changed. Because marriage is symbolic of Christ's relationship to the church. Marriage is the gospel. That's, that's the point of marriage. It represents Jesus and the church. And when you get married biblically, you're proclaiming Jesus Christ. That's how the Bible depicts marriage. And the Bible says to not have sexual interaction with somebody until you're what? Married. Now, I'll be brutally honest. I didn't, I didn't wait. I was out there. With that. And there's been consequences because I was out there. I was like, not in Iowa, I was in California. I was in Hawaii, right? I, but, but you know what? Everybody else is doing it. And no one was like, no one was yelling at me, no one was fussing at me. I did not have the will to do it God's way. I didn't have the strength to do it God's way. My goodness, I, I would look on TV and I see, my wife is in the other room, so just understand what I say. I, I mean it, but I love my wife. She's the most beautiful in the world. I'll give you that caveat before I go, oh, where am I going to go? So I used to see all these beautiful women. And I'm like, oh my goodness. If my body is responding to every time I see that beautiful, they must be for me. And heaven forbid they respond to me. That's, that's consent. That must mean it's God's will, right? So you, you, you're, you're hearing me, but do you hear me? Because we can justify it, he said, I did not have the strength to do it God's way. I had an entire culture to say, go ahead, sow your oats, sow it. And then you get married and then you'll be happy with that one person. Now you're sexually addicted. And you're getting married and you're having trouble in a monogamous relationship because you're used to being out there. Oh, hello. And so, how do I get free from that to live in a way that honors God? I need God's heart. I need the Spirit of God to help me because I am not strong enough. And then, you start, if you show if anything that was against God's will and I did it, it became pleasurable. It's called perversion. I'll throw, I'll throw a bomb out there and I'll jump back. I don't even know what time it is. But so, so if you ever had premarital sex and it seems like the best thing in the world. Oh, that was the greatest thing since apple pie a la moon. Oh, give me numbers. Give me two of them. And then if you have intercourse with the same person when you're married, you're like, wait a minute. Where's the excitement where's the firework where are the rockets red glare where's the bomb bursting you know it's going there in the air like we're all what happened the perversion is gone now it's holy and holiness is based upon God and you're trying to make it okay so oh I'm going here Oh, I gotta try. Oh, hey, y'all get y'all yell at me, yell at me later, right? So now in your marriage, you need to add all these things to make it exciting. Because it ain't exciting as it was before. Whew. 
I just went, I went to the line. I didn't cross it. But you understand what I'm trying to say, though, right? And so perversion, we, it's enticing our bodies, our minds. And I, I said sex because it's easy to understand, but this goes for every single command of God. It feels good to disobey God. It feels great. There's a, there's a sense of control there. And when we have that control, that's affirming. And the problem is when we worship God, we give up all that. We, we, this is what it like. To, to, to be a Christian is literally this. That's Christianity. But I'm, you're, you're vulnerable down there. You're weak. You're not like, you're not Sylvester Stallone. You're not John Rambo. You're like, you're simple. You're like baby Yoda. You can't do anything. There's no glory there for you. But that God gives glory. All right, I jumped in there. Y'all could be mad at me. But I said what I needed to say. Now watch this. This is the kicker. God put his spirit in you for one reason. I will put my spirit in you and you and, and cause you to what? Walk in my statutes. God has this expectation that when you have his spirit, you'll be able to do his will. And it's impossible for you to do his will without his spirit. And the problem is, we are now in a time politically, this is what kills me. I'm jumping in Paul. I'm everywhere today. Let me jump in there. I'm jumping in Paul. So we have an expectation that people vote and act like Jesus and don't have God's spirit in them. And we're arguing with people. And you're like, they don't even have the capacity to think like Jesus, much less act or vote like Jesus. So what in the world do you think you're trying to accomplish? If you want people to think and act like Jesus, you got to make sure they have his spirit in them. And how does that happen? Because you have the courage and boldness to go out and share your faith. That's the reason why you have God's spirit. You can expand God's kingdom. And if you want people to vote like Jesus, then you need to do the work of helping people to know Jesus. I, honestly, I didn't say that for claps. If you lead the church, I'm sorry. But what I just need to say is, I just want you to know Jesus. Because he's the one that fixes everything. Jesus. And if you have his spirit in you, then you have the capacity to do his will. That's it. Not my words. That's what the Bible says. And that's where I get in trouble every time. But not my will. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to carry out God's will. Can you do poll everywhere real quick? It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to carry out God's will. God doesn't have an expectation that you do his will if you don't have his spirit. That's the expectation we put on people. We marry somebody at times if, uh, who, who's not saved and we expect them to act like Jesus and they can't. They don't have God's spirit in them. We, that's why the Bible says don't be what? Unequally yoked. They can't act like Jesus without God's spirit in them. But we expect people to act like Jesus. If you have your phones, can you please bring it out? And if you could, text. I got to wait till this disappears. Text Anthony Bass 861 to this number, 22333.
and you, no, this is anonymous, you please fill out this sentence. If the Holy Spirit is my source of strength, then I need to blank in order for him to get glory through my life. What is it that you need to do in order for God to get glory out of your life? And whatever answer you put, no, no, no one knows what it is. I mean, it's not going to say, Anthony, you, you put that in there. But God's trying to get glory out of your life. Preach it. And so, when we put these words up here, they're, they're not to condemn. This is, a, this is about encouraging. God wants to use you for his own glory. And the reason why we do these polls is so that you realize you're not alone. I still struggle obeying God. I still do. You catch me on the wrong day of the week, I may be crazy. <laughs> you, think, you think I'm lying? You catch me one day, my hair, like, if Anthony's out of town, I ain't got a haircut, and I'm just looking crazy in the mirror. I'm like, shh, you're like, bruh, you need to get a haircut. Hey, I'm just saying. I haven't eaten. I'll be, Lord, help me, Lord, to be quiet. Because I'm the type of person, if it comes to my brain, it's going to come out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, I didn't say something I didn't want to say. So I got to think about, like, have you ever heard the phrase, like, stop thinking about the pink elephant? How do you do? Who, you, like, okay, I'm going to stop thinking about the pink elephant. Okay, I'm going to. And you work hard and not think, but you keep thinking about the pink elephant. You got to learn how to think about something else. And so here we see, and this is why this thing is cool, because the number one thing we see is surrender. And so more people answer surrender. And what that word surrender is, that's how I'm interpreting worship. Are you worshiping God? Are you surrendering to his will? And if you're surrendering to his will, then he can use you. You can go back to the PowerPoint. We're almost done. So I'm out there. I'm trying to honor God. I'm trying to be faithful, commit to purity, and I struggled. I struggled. I needed more of God. I had no help in that process because I had no accountability. <laughs> I tried to struggle. I tried to submit to God on my own with accountability. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't work. I needed to be in a group of men or people or God. I needed help in order to do it because I had developed this way of thinking and acting that was completely contrary to God's will. And it was normal and familiar to me. But God came in my life. He changed my heart. He filled me with his spirit. And now it's natural to do God's will. And it's unnatural to sin against him. Or before, it was natural to do against his will. It was, it was pleasurable. Now, when I sin, I feel bad. It's called conviction. And the Holy Spirit convicts me of things I do that is not in line with God's will. We are incapable of carrying out God's will on our own strength. God has a purpose and plan for your life. And the Holy Spirit is designed to give you the capacity to do it in a way that brings God glory and honor. He is your source of strength. He is your source of strength. Not your muscles, not your intellect, not your gifting, God. Now, if you're at the starting line of your walk of honoring God, then so be it. Just, just name it. You know what? I haven't really done much for God before in my life, but you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to do it. And I'm trying to tell you, once you make that decision, listen to this. When you make a decision to do it for God, you know what happens? What Tony said happens. All of hell comes upon you. And you're like, wait a minute, what, what happened to the car? 
What happened to my husband? What happened to my children? What happened to the TV? What happened to my job? And, th and then what happens is you get distracted and thinking I need to focus on these things that are ancillary to the primary thing of honoring God, keeping my commitment. I have a calling on my life and I have to realize that all of hell will come against that calling. You get sick. People pass away. Negative things happen. And you have to make a choice. Do I need to try to recover these things or do I keep moving forward honoring God? Allow the Holy Spirit to give God glory through your life. God is trying to use you. Allow him. Surrender. It's the simplest thing to do, yet the most complicated. It's a choice. Once you make it, simply manage it. Every day, moment by moment. Don't worry about what you see. Remember what he said. We live by faith and not by sight. God gives us the ability to glorify his name. That's what he wants. He wants to get attention through you. What does it look like for Jesus to live in you? What does it look like with your relationship with your wife and your husband, with your kids, on your job? What does it look like to give glory, God glory, through your life? God longs to give humans the Holy Spirit to carry out his will. He has this desire to be with you. He longs to be with you, to spend time with you, to use you. He, he longs candlelight dinners, sonnets, poems. You, don't, you think I'm making this up? Go read Psalms. That's David's heart. A man whose heart was after God. Fall in love with Jesus. Yield to his spirit. Trust the character of God. Remember, without God's spirit, we cannot please God. It's impossible. God has a plan for your life. It supersedes any plan you wrote down on your five-year plan five years ago, ten years ago. You may have a strategic plan, but understand God's plan is always a little different, particularly if you haven't sought His will. That's why at the beginning of the year we do 21 days of fasting to pray to see, God, what do you want for us this year? Because my will, God, I know is not yours. And then when God gives you the plan, I guarantee you'll say this, I can't do that without you, God. I can't raise my kids the way you want without you, God. I can't be the husband you want without. I can't, I can't love my wife the way you want me to love without you. I can't, I can't be faithful to my spouse, God, without you. I can't do any of these things without you. Oh, God, help me. Can we pray? Father God, we thank you for this time. And we ask you, Lord God, to heal broken places in our hearts, Lord. We, we recognize that we've been broken in pieces sometimes because of the choices that we've made, Lord God. And sometimes we get confused, Father God, if, if things we're going through are the consequences of our choices, Father God, or simply your testing us, Lord God. So we ask you now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, just to give us a clean slate, Lord. We, we confess every single act we've done outside of your will, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord God, not to take your Holy Spirit away from us, Father God. We ask you to renew us, to cleanse 
use us, Lord God, so that we can do your will, Lord God. Help us be better spouses. Help us be better parents. Help us be more selfless, Lord God, and sinless, Lord God. Not that we're sinless, Father God. Help us be more like Jesus. And Lord God, as we change, help us to be able to see that change for our own encouragement. And help us in the end give you all the glory, all of the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you're mad at anything I said, it's okay. I can take it. Please, seriously, send me an email. I'm not giving you the email out there, but <laughs> if you're in the building, you have my email. I can take criticism. I used to play pro football, and I remember getting yelled at on national TV. I remember that scene being on ESPN. Da -da 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 -da. And you know what? I survived. And I didn't have a passion for football. I got a passion for you and if you want to do the hard work and this is the part where churches don't get to if you want to work this out I'm here I'm ready for the hard conversations that's what we need to do we can stay in our silos and think man we're honoring God but if you tell you what God has called us to be a team and I only have this many gifts <laughs> but you got all the gifts I need you in order for us to do what God wants us to do. So, I'm available. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. You say you want my heart. I was on my head, I don't have to